Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Chris Griffin. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy practice to hang with us here at the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Now, this episode is really, uh, it's really going to be near and dear to what I have going on in my own personal life and practice right now uh, because I am actually in the process of getting deadly serious about implementing tougher cases into my practice, specifically implant cases. And I've been doing implants for a few years, but I've been really doing only the simplest ones. And you know how it is when, you know, you know how to do a little bit, but uh, you just kind of get tired of not knowing how to do the really tough stuff. And you want to be kind of a master of that. But you know how much it's, you know how much effort it's going to take to get to that mastery level, right? So so you kind of hang back and you have all these excuses, like a thousand excuses, why you are not currently pursuing mastery of a certain thing. But uh, bottom line, uh, the time has come. I finally took enough uh, ribbing from one of my best friends who's really become quite an implant master. Uh, and so uh, so he, he this is really an interesting story. This is kind of getting off the topic. I'll get back in a moment. We'll circle back. Okay, Uh, but we were sitting in class in dental school, our, I don't know, D2, D3 year, something like that. And uh, at the University of Tennessee, they they had a lecture on implants. That's about all we had was a lecture. We certainly didn't do any implants in the clinic. But, you know, and let me just take you back to when I was in dental school, right? I mean, I've been practicing now for 20 years, uh, seeing patients for 20 years. And so uh, they were actually putting in these blade implants, right? If you've never seen a blade implant, if you're younger or you're not a dentist, uh, a blade implant is where dentists would actually, I mean, these were customized, right? They were, I'm not even sure what they were made out of, but they were made out of some kind of metal that was compatible, biocompatible. And uh, they would take this metal and they would shape it into a blade shape, right? And um, they'd in their garage, a lot of times, they would hammer these holes in it to, to aid in osseo integration and uh, make it all custom shapes and stuff. But they were all really blades, almost like ice skating blades. And uh, you would you would uh, you would actually, I guess, weld the what would now be the uh, the Im- housing of the implant onto this blade and and uh, cut a slot, maybe pop it open with a chisel or something in a person's jawbone and put it in there and and uh, stitch it up let it heal and uh sure enough there were there were people walking around memphis tennessee who had had these for years and they seemed to and they worked a lot of them now a lot of them failed a lot of them failed and nobody does it much anymore although i am told that i think in alabama there's still a study club that meets once a year and talks about blade implants um so so anyway that's just uh, just uh, I don't know why we even got off on that tangent, but that's but the whole thing circles back to say we were sitting in that class 
and we said to each other, wow, implants, that is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, someone who suffered through wearing dentures their whole life, now they get the opportunity to basically get their teeth back. That is futuristic. That is awesome. That is amazing. And so uh, we said right there, we're going to go into practice together someday and we're going to be implantologists. Okay, there really wasn't even such a thing as an implantologist back then. Uh, Certainly not that I'd ever heard of, and the school didn't promote that. You know, not a certified specialty by the ADA. Uh, But anyway, so we we went on through dental school. Guess what? Dental school got harder. Um, We figured we'd better just... We'd best be about getting good at the things that would get us our degree. And so the implantology dream sort of fell by the wayside. Well, fast forward 20 years, and uh, my friend took a course. Actually, he, he heard about this course at our, uh, at our annual summit we had in Memphis 2000. I guess that was 2014. He heard a speaker, Dr. Jason Northcutt, give you some some props there jason shout out to you down in robertsdale alabama uh jason was on my stage and he just you know he's obviously a very good dentist very good at implants himself and uh, he just threw out that he had taken what was in his opinion the most amazing implant course in the world and it was taught by dr michael mccracken who's a professor at uab in birmingham and um and, you know, it's just an amazing hands-on, lots of live patients. Anyway, it was blah, 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 blah. Just went on and on about how great it was. Well, I was in no position to pursue it. Uh, not only is it a pretty substantial investment, you know, but that's okay. If it's worth it, it's worth it. It was 10 months out of a, out of a 12-month period. You had to go down for a three-day weekend. And I just was not about to commit that right then. But my friend did. He signed up. He went down to uh, Birmingham for the 10 months. He got amazing at implants. Now he's going back, and he's actually using this next course to get his um, his IV certification. And so this has been a tremendous, tremendous value to him, and he will not shut up about it. He will not shut up about why I need to go, uh, why implants are changing his practice, how he knows they'll change my practice, how it makes everybody happier, better, blah, 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 blah. Makes you tons of money. People love you. And uh, I just got tired of listening to it. And I was like, okay, okay, guess what? I'm going. And so I'm, I'm not taking the 10-month course, but I'm taking their mini course. And so I just got back from the first session. It was in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, he can't get enough. He, he likes the course so much. He's going back, and he's, uh, he's sitting through the course, you know, for free, even though he's already sat through it, uh, just because he loves this course and this professor so much. So... Anyway, that's where I'm standing right now, and um, and I am, um, you know, and I'm I'm committing that 2016 is going to be the year that I get really serious about learning how to do more difficult implants. So uh, we will see how it goes. I'll keep you guys posted. Now let's get back to our quote, right? Uh, our quote, and this applies to me. It's going to apply to you too as we go through this today. The quote was. Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. Now, who said that? That would be the one and only Benjamin Disraeli. Okay? Now, if you guys uh, may not know who that is, let me, let me fill you in. Okay? Benjamin Disraeli was the British Prime Minister 
many years ago, um, he founded what is known as the Conservative Party over in England, and he is the only Jewish prime minister to ever serve that post. So very important dude uh, from years past. And another thing, and I'm, I know I don't know why. Why do I care about stuff like this? He's also the first Earl of Beaconsfield. I just think that's too cool. You know, I guess it's sort of a a royalty type thing. Um, I don't know why I like stuff like that. I mean, it would. I you know, I think it would be like the best to be uh, to be some kind of royalty. I don't even know that these days it may, means you're rich or famous or anything, but uh, like at the end of the movie King Ralph, and I wouldn't want to be the king of England, certainly. <laughs> I would not take that job if you gave it to me, but hey, at the end when he made him a duke or something like that and gave him his little castle off in the countryside and a yearly stipend, and I'd be all over that now. Um, yeah, find me a nice little golf course there in England and I could, you know, spend spend uh spend some summers down here on the gulf coast and 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 then go back to england for the rest of the year hey i'm i'm all i'm i'd be all over that so anyway let's get this to an area that might actually help you guys um today you are going to get the blueprint for successful new procedure implementation into your practice in eight easy steps right and here's a set of steak knives but uh but that's what we're going to do. This is the eight-step process that I teach everyone who's gone through uh, my coaching program, DDS Leaders, and uh, and you know this this is the thing that I do myself. It's sort of you know we talked last week about time genius and that whole process. Well, this is kind of along the same lines, but not really. It's it's this is really an implementation path, and it's sort of like a checklist. You know, you could almost break this down into a checklist as you move forward trying to accomplish any goal in your practice. And um, after this episode, you'll be able to be confident that you can go to a course like I'm doing right now and actually place that information into your practice in the form of action. And uh, you will see if I can do that. I will see if I put my money where my mouth is, right? Uh, It really solves the problem of feeling helpless because... Well, in respect to this, I, a lot of times, will look at a case, and I'm just, I want to do it. And listen, I will preach this till my dying day. There's never a better time to close on a case than if you can do the work yourself and just do it right then. Start it right then. You may have to finish it right then. At least start the process today. Today, today. We use that all the time. Let's start it today. But you feel helpless when you have to refer out thousands, hey, some prices refer out millions of dollars each year. That's a that's a M, not a B, but a M anyway. Uh, millions of dollars worth of stuff to specialists that you could do if you took the time to master it. And I have referred out plenty of implants in my life, and I don't say millions, but certainly, um, oh, easy six figures every year for the last decade implants that I was not good enough to do in my practice. So so here we go. We're going to we're going to run through this process that we have used to successfully lead I don't know, I guess dozens would be a fair assessment of our private clients through the process over the last uh, 4 or 5 years that we had the coaching program. So uh, so here we go. So it could be doing implants, it could be doing braces. And by the way, 
my friend's now mastered implants. Well, he's going he's going to try to master uh, ortho this year, and he signed up for for the same comprehensive ortho course that I did way back in 2005. And uh, you know, just to show him up, I called today and I signed up to sit in on the courses myself. You know, as a former student. Uh, just just so I can do to him what he's doing to me. I cannot, you know, let him one up me. This looks like we're going to be taking a lot of classes together this year, which is actually pretty cool. We haven't done that in a long time. Um, but when you are when you are getting ready to implement anything, the first thing you got to do, <laughs> this is a simple one. It sounds simple, not as simple as you might think all the time. You have to actually choose a path. Okay? What's this path going to be? And we're talking about implementing procedures in your practice. This could also be learning how to do uh, some sort of marketing that's befuddled you for a long time. Let's say Facebook marketing, maybe. Anyone? Anyone? Facebook marketing. Anybody know how to push a couple of buttons and get their practice marketed on Facebook? Not everyone. Uh, not everyone knows that. So you have to choose a path. My path this year is implants. And, uh, you know, once you choose that path, that it's not all the battle, you know. Um, it's not even the amount of the battle like they used to have in that G.I. Joe commercial that's half the battle. No, it's not half the battle, but it's a lot of the battle because now you can, with laser-like focus, attack the area that you're wanting to, to move towards, right? So phase one of this process, if you're taking notes, phase one is boot camp preparedness. Now, when I you know, I use the term boot camp to represent what I would consider like a total immersion into research, education. If you look back at the time genius process we talked about last week, this would also be where you would go and find a mentor and do some visual learning by watching videos on YouTube or, or anything online, uh, buying some courses online, uh, anything like that. Uh, this would also be where, hey, you sign up for a hands-on course to go learn it and, and know that you're going to have that mentor there with easy access to them, right? This is all part of the boot camp preparedness. And this is something I take very seriously. I never just haphazardly sign up for some course or something and say, oh, I'm just going to sign up and see what happens. No way. I mean, when, when I decide to take action in a certain direction, I mean, I throw myself into it. And this is what I think every successful person does and what you should do if you want to be successful at anything. Um, so that's phase one. And it takes a while to get through phase one, right? It's not it's not like, okay, I did that. And I watched a, I watched, yo, have you, any of you guys seen, um, I'm dating this podcast right now, but have any of you guys seen that uh, during the national championship, they had that uh, Mayhem insurance commercial. And, uh, you know, he starts out saying, you know, I watched two minutes of a 10-minute tutorial, then I went out and bought the biggest chainsaw that I could find, right? Um, you know, that's what we don't want you to do right here. You don't watch two minutes of a 10-minute tutorial and start drilling holes in people's jaws, right? You're going to hit something that has a name, and that is not good. So really to get serious about this. Now, we don't want you to be a lifelong student the kind of person that gets kicked out of college because they've taken all the credits that that college has to offer, right, and never takes action, never lives a real life and is a perpetual student. We don't want you to do that, but we do want you to get very serious 
and really, really dig in, immerse yourself. And that is phase one boot camp preparedness. Uh, now, let's talk about phase two. Phase two is sort of, I'm naming this the simulation phase. Okay? This is where you test things. You do trial runs. Um, you know, in my case, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, this first course we just took, Hey, we didn't go in there and start drilling holes in people's head. No, uh, we're using, uh, we're, we used fake bones or actually, I don't know, maybe they were real bones, but they were not in people's heads. They were, they were on tabletops and there were, uh, you know, there was a really cool, uh, simulated gums. You know, we, we got to work on the, do surgery on the gums on this fake bone and, we did all that on models, and, and uh, that's cool. I've done courses before where we used hog jaws and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's the testing phase because you want to get really good at something before you push it out there to the public. Um, in medicine, it could be dangerous to do that. I have known people who have really rushed procedures to market way before they knew what they were doing, way before they were competent. Um that way before they were even confident. I mean, that that was really, and and that gets them into trouble. You put a big billboard up, and it says all this stuff that you can do, but if you're really not good at it, that's a problem because you're going to get yourself in trouble. And in, in the world of medicine, especially, it's it's very hard to recover from that when you jump in and and try to put yourself out as an expert when you really are just a novice. And um, and so this is where phase two comes in. There needs to be some testing, some trials, and uh, maybe some recalibration. Maybe you figure out, ooh, I did not know what I was talking about, and I go back and I learn some more, uh, take some more education, stuff like that. And there's sort of a back and forth between phase one, phase two, phase one, phase two. And uh, eventually, though, uh, once again, you got to keep moving forward. you got to keep taking action. So phase three is actually what I call the take action phase. You have to finally just say, all right, I have studied this enough. I'm going to take action and implement. Um, I'm going to get off the couch. I'm going to jump in the pool, whatever, you know, whatever you want to say about it. We're going to move forward and uh, we're going to get going. Now, in the case of trying to put, say, a new procedure in your practice, let's start out small. Okay. Uh, I'll give an example of when I didn't start out small. I actually, the first day I ever placed implants, I placed 14 implants. Now, that sounds crazy. It is crazy. Uh, the reason I did that, though, is because I actually paid an instructor to fly to Ripley. And um, he hung out with me all day over my shoulder and uh, helped me do those 14 cases, or 14 implants, not 14 cases. And, uh, you know, every step of the way is holding my hand. We discussed the cases beforehand. We discussed during. We discussed after. after. And, um, you know, that was a great way to do it. And that, you know, that's the only time, that's the only caveat. That's the only time I would say, okay, go for it and don't worry about uh, tiptoeing into this. But, um, you know, I, I would say the first time that I do a sinus lift implant, yeah, I'm going to tiptoe. I'm going to be way careful, man. I'm going to... I'm going to get a patient in there that, that uh, I only have to bump that thing up about a millimeter, and I'm going to go super slow at that. Um, and then once I know, you know, once I'm competent at doing that, we'll move on to bigger and better things. But 
I'm going to tiptoe into it. Don't confuse tiptoeing in cautiously for uh, for not being brave and courageous and taking massive action. I would say you're taking massive action just by introducing a new procedure into your practice. You don't have to jump in with both feet before you know what you're doing. Uh, that could be the ruin of all, so don't do that. Now, phase four, however, once you do know what you're doing and you are competent and you are confident, okay, now it's time to take massive action. Start doing a lot more. Start looking for ways to, 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 in, to increase the flow through your practice of these types of procedures or whatever it is you're trying to do. This would be when I would also consider la- launching like a marketing aspect to whatever you're doing. So uh, once I'm really confident in implants, I'm going to start putting on billboards and, and stuff like that. I'm going to do billboards, ads, Facebook marketing, uh, everything that we do. Oh, oh yeah, the community mailer. Absolutely. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, we're going to do all that stuff that we know it works. Uh, we're going to hold that back until we're really, really confident in our abilities. And then we're going to launch that puppy to the masses, right? And once you do that, well, you can have a big old flow coming through the door. Now, we, what we always find, uh, we'll have some people come to the press for the first time who did not know that you could wear a lower denture attached to quote-unquote studs and, uh, and, you know, it would help you chew better. And we'll have patients in our practice who will say, wait, Doc, I didn't know you did that. Um, and a few people I probably have to apologize to because they'll say, Doc, why didn't you tell me about this? I've had this old lower denture that didn't fit for my whole life. And I'll have to have to beg beg their forgiveness and tell them that, you know, I just now got good enough to really feel feel like I should mention it. And uh, so I mention it now. And uh, hopefully they'll take my apology. But the whole time you're doing this, now, this is a little bit of a, a thing. I hope you, it's sort of a nuance. I hope you pay attention to what I'm saying right here. Because you take massive action, right? You, you market. You start really doing a lot of this procedure. And you may be spending quite a bit of money on your external marketing. Uh, hopefully on, on uh, lucrative procedures like implants or braces or whatever you're trying to add to your practice. Uh, hopefully you can understand that, that there is a cost here and over time you won't have to spend as much. Now I think... I think it's a dangerous thing. If you were to look at your expenditures, okay, if you were to look at them and you were to say, boy, I'm spending a ton on external marketing. I've spent a ton on external marketing for a long time. I'm spending the same as I did five years ago, or I'm spending more than I did five years ago on external marketing. I think that's a little bit dangerous because what that says to me is that you got some people in from your external marketing efforts but you were not able to hold on to them. And so they pretty much exited the practice just about as quickly as they entered it, okay? And so I, I don't like that. And so keep an eye on that, your external marketing budget, and see what that looks like uh, compared to your new patients and, and just sort of see. Um, what I would like to see is this massive effort to get the word out where you're spending money, you're getting money back, and, and you're breaking even or, or doing better than break even, okay? You're making money, but you are spending a lot, and over time you ramp that down because after a while the word gets out, oh, hey, 
Dr. Griffin is like this implant master, and uh, you need to go see him. And so all those external marketing expenditures now sort of get get uh, shoveled over into internal marketing, which is usually under the classification of like direct referrals or something like that, which are much cheaper and much more profitable because not only do those patients come in without you having to spend those external dollars, but those patients come in basically pre-sold on the fact you're at least a good guy and you know what you're doing. And it's really your yours to lose at that point, which I'm not saying you couldn't lose it, but much better chance you're going to really uh, score a win with those patients and do a good job for them and, and hopefully get them to talk good about you in the future to their friends. Okay? All right. So, and, and that, okay, well, that leads right into phase five, what I would like to call internal strengthening. So you get that massive explosion of patients that you spend a lot of money for, you do exactly what I just said. You uh, you you convince them that they need to uh, not only stay in your practice but also uh, refer their friends and family, and that strengthens your practice internally. It's no longer really this big external push. Okay, all right. So uh, that was phase five, internal strengthening. Now now let's move on to phase six. Now phase six. Is where the reason I've got this in here. The the phase six is that is increasing the value of the base, okay. And the way that I kind of the way that I look at this is, you've spent all this money, you spent all this money on your boot camp preparation back in phase one, you spent all this money on education, educating yourself, you spent all this money on materials. I mean, I was on eBay and. A surgical today buying instruments, right? Um, a lot of money to be spent there. You spent all this money on external marketing. Well, now you've got some internal strength, and then those people hopefully are giving you direct referrals. But just to keep the word out there and titrated to the right level, this is different. It's going to be different for every practice, but I do think that you need to continue to do some light external marketing pretty much forever. Uh, just to keep the word out there for those people that that are, you know, the few people that are new that might see it. Also, just to keep the word out there that everyone just knows in the back of their head, oh, yeah, yeah, Dr. Griffin, he's an awesome implant dentist. And one day, you know, when I lose these last four wiggly teeth, I'm going to go see that guy. You know, there's a lot of people in Mississippi that think that way. They'll come see me when they're totally devoid of teeth and probably not before, right? But I like to see a little bit of light external marketing just left out into the marketplace pretty much all the time. You know, uh, you you could put a little blurbs, um, put it on billboards. You can, you can in your community mailer, about every quarter, rotate in an implant piece. Um, if you have a blog on your website, throw in some implant stuff here and there. If you do email marketing, um, email newsletter, e-newsletters, e-zines, if you do that from your website, throw in some implant stuff here and there just to let people know. And and also, uh, when you do new education, do some implant stuff, take some pictures, uh, put little photos and stuff in your e-zines and let people, let people know you're still into that and you're really serious about it. Um, that's a probably a good future episode. If nobody's ever walked through how to do an e-zine, um, we've got a pretty cool concept on that. So, that's just something I'm gonna I'm gonna jot that down right now and, and hopefully a future episode we'll 
talk about doing e-zines. Okay, so that was phase six. Now let's go into phase seven. Phase seven, while all these other phases, well, phase six is always running in the background. Phase seven is uh, maintenance, okay? And it, as we talked about the time genius concepts last week, one thing that you have to have, and it's tough on everyone, I mean tough, you have to have discipline. You have to have discipline to stay sharp, to not get bored, to not get careless, to not let things slip, to not let your numbers slip, to not pay it, you know, you can get totally bored and not even pay attention to your numbers. Next thing you know, your new patients are way down or your expenditures are way up. You don't know what happened, right? But with some discipline, there's no reason why you cannot maintain once you get there. Um, I've let, everyone's let, Every doctor I know has let this slip for a while. Uh, back in the late 2000s, we were doing six figures of ortho a year, you know, uh, the year of the fire. We did like twenty twenty five thousand dollars worth of cases. That's, I don't know. That's nothing. That's four, five, five or six cases. Um, it's terrible. It was all because I just got, got, I don't know. I was in a funk. I didn't diagnose well. I just pretty much referred everyone out. Um, you know, I, I, some of my instruments had burned up in the fire, so I just didn't want to get in a hurry to replace them. Blah blah blah. It's all on me. This year we're back on track having a huge year doing braces and ortho and uh, you know it's just because I'm recommitted a lot of things are just because the doctor has to have discipline to stay focused if you can stay focused and stay on the ball uh, there's no reason why you can't accomplish and maintain anything but as with most things in life staying focused is difficult okay uh, and then that gets, gets us all the way to phase eight and this is actually an optional phase. Um, but this is kind of like I just said about ortho. At some point, if you're in phase seven maintenance and you realize, you know what? I have let the ball drop. I'm just not happy. I'm not satisfied with with what's going on here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to recommit my practice to getting back on top with this and getting refocused and that's what that is Op optional phase eight is actually recommitting and going back to phase one for to run back through the steps again and hey the second time through not nearly as tough because you do not have to spend the, the amount of time on the boot camp phase as you did the first time at all you do have to maybe flip through some notes um, hopefully if anyone's been paying attention to my the blog articles over the years, you've got an Evernote account uh, or something like that where you can easily pull up a library of very important documents and uh, they're tagged properly. And if you don't, we're probably going to do an episode about that someday because I really feel like it's very important to have your own little video library. Um, but anyway, you just run right back through all the steps till you get back to maintenance and you rock on till you know, someday in the future when you decide, hey, I've dropped the ball again. I need to recommit and go back to phase one. But also, if you just are like totally happy with where you're at, say if I'm 100% happy with implants and I want to jump into sleep apnea, hey, I maintain implants, maintain ortho, jump into sleep apnea, go right through the eight steps again. And I know it seems like, oh gosh, why do I need eight steps, right? It's just, it's ridiculous. I can. I don't need that. I don't need a checklist. Well, all I can tell you is good luck because I have tried my whole life to just wing it 
When I try to wing it, somewhere in the middle I get stuck, I get muddled. Next thing you know, I'm just lazy watching TV at night instead of watching tutorials, and my practice doesn't move forward. Okay? I really believe in this process. So, that's it. That's the eight steps. Um, you guys have been an awesome audience, as usual. Now, when you go to the website, if you if you click down into the show notes below the podcast for Season 1, Episode 4, you will find the mind map that I used to create this episode. You can enlarge that. You can print it off. You know, Keep that in your notes. You're welcome to do whatever you would like to do with that. Um, if there's any other cool resources we're going to throw in there from this episode, we'll put them there. And also, just this week, we have added to the website a really cool, uh, what we'd call a freemium here. So I've put together a book, and actually it's more like an ebook. It's a PDF you can download and read it just like a book. It's called 11 Simple Action Steps That Lead to Amazing Practice Productivity Breakthroughs. Now, this is an updated version of my 11 Steps report that I gave out I used to print these off. Well, I didn't actually have them printed and mailed them off to people that requested them that read my articles, uh, 11 Steps to Better Practice Productivity. And this is a completely updated report. And, uh, you know, it really outlines that 10 years ago, we took 11 simple steps that skyrocketed our practice productivity. And I just want to share those with you. So uh, I guess you call this maybe a white paper now. That's another word for it. So when you read this, free paper. You're going to discover the breakthroughs that revolutionized my practice and we've used to revolutionize and really make powerhouse powerhouses of productivity from hundreds of practices all across North America. And, uh, you know, in this report, you, you know, the things that I wrote about, how creative treatment rooms can multiply your production, how you can delegate and use workflow choreography to streamline and de-stress your office, uh, there's well, like I said, there's 11 simple action steps. So easy read. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun uh, going through this. Go grab the white paper right now. Uh, the website is actually practicegrowthplan.com. Uh, if you want to go there, or you can just click on the icon of the book on the Dr. Chris Griffin Show website at drchrisgriffin.com. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy all the free free stuff I'm putting together for you. I intend to keep that up from now on, okay? Uh, so I'm super excited about it, and uh, thanks again. We will see you guys next week with another powerhouse of productivity packed, a lot of peas in there, episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in.